Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. I gave you a little bit of a preface and let you know that this week and the last couple of weeks have been kind of difficult for me personally. Not anything majorly spiritual or some big burden like some of you guys may be carrying, just frustration about general progress as it relates to our painting and floors and all kinds of other stuff. And so I thought I'd share that with you a little bit today. Um, we uh, had a grand plan on how this whole thing was going to work. Like we had a perfect scenario of how all this was going to play out. You guys ever do that? You guys ever have a situation where it's like, okay, I know exactly how this is all going to work out. And all things have to do is to be perfect. Now, oftentimes what we do is, is we do that in our minds. We don't actually tell anyone that, especially to your spouses. Oftentimes you have something in your mind of how things are going to go. Like say Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and, uh, and you don't tell your spouse anything about it, but in your mind, and when things don't go the way you think they should go, what you end up happening is you end up getting frustrated. And so that's kind of what happened. Uh, we had a grand plan on how things were going to go. <clears throat> and so it was moving right along, man. As, if I'm being honest, last week uh, was, was, was pretty bad, but then this week, man, it started out and it was like, wow, we are progressing we are making progress. It is going just like I thought it was going to go. We're going to be, literally, this is all going to be done by Wednesday evening, and it's going to be incredible. It really is going to be incredible. And I was sitting at home Tuesday night, minding my own business, and my so-called friend, Chance Cox, calls me <laughs> and says, hey, bro, where are you at? And I thought, I'm too far away to help you in any way. What do you need? And he said this, he said, uh, Amy and I came up here to bring the painter some dinner, and you might ought to come up here. And I was like, great. So I said, what's wrong? And these words will forever be etched in my mind. <clears throat> it's purple. <laughs> and I said, What's purple? Can you go ahead and kill the lights where they can see the full effect of what this is? Can you kill the lights? Can we do that? Can you guys see that it's purple? Can you see that? Well, I don't give a poo if you can see it or not. It was purple. <laughs> On the top, this, all this whole back wall and all the way around was purple. And I like any pastor would have done, said, what the crap? Are you kidding me? No, man. I said, well, let me ask you a question. How bad is it? And there was radio silence for about 10 seconds. And then he said this, it's bad, bro. So Wendy and I jumped in the car, came up here, and we decided that we were going to change the name of our church to Prince Baptist Church. <laughs> the painter said he could put the symbol all over the place. We could sing Purple Rain and When Doves Cry. You know what I'm saying? We can do that. 
you know, I would die for you and all that stuff that Prince did. So everyone's life and is they're all I know where you guys grew up in the 80s. So uh, but listen, we decided we were going to have to do something different. And so we went through the whole process of trying to change the colors. Now, just to let you in on a little something, if Jesus may be tugging on your heart to give a little extra this week, it ended up costing us over a thousand dollars in labor to change the colors because he was three fourths of the way done with this. And so then we were like, okay, well, let's go up there and let's get a, by the way, it was Sherwin-Williams' fault. It wasn't our fault, just to let you know. But we go up there, and I'm like, hey, this is what happened. They said we used the wrong base, and I was like, oh, man. Uh, He's telling me they used the wrong base. I have not, all I know, base is what I have, base in trouble. That's all I have. I don't know what base is. Apparently, there's a paint. And by the way, let me just tell you this. I don't know who decided that there was going to be more than one color. There should be light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. And that's it. You should be able to walk in. There should be, it should say gray. All right? And it should be light, medium, and dark. Blue, light, medium, and dark. That's how life should work. But that's not how life works because women got involved in the decorating process. <laughs> Mauve is not a color. All right? It's not. And all those other colors, I don't know what these colors are called. I think the top one is called cityscape, whatever that means. I don't know what it, I thought it was dark gray. All right? So we go up there and we're going to get. We're going to get the, the, the color, and we're trying to pick out the middle color. And we pick out the color that we think looks amazing, and we bring it down here. And he starts spraying it on that wall over there. And it looks horrible. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Do you guys know that when you're standing in Sherwin-Williams, that colors look one way? But when you get it in here, it looks totally different. It really does. Listen, we even had one of our members who is really great with photography and Photoshop. We had one of our members take a photo from the back and he put in those light and dark colors that we wanted and his picture looked amazing. But our finished result did not. So we had to keep going back and forth until we got this beautiful color. And if you don't like it, don't tell me (laughs) because I'm going to curse loudly. This is what we ended up with. In the process of going back and forth and in the process of having to figure out all these things, I could tell that my frustration level was getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Even the painter said, hey, bro, don't forget, you're the pastor. That's what he said to me. He did. And all I could think of was choking him until he fell right there on the floor. He said it right here. This is where he said it. He said, you're the pastor. He said it right here. And I was over there looking at the purple. He said it right there. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. But I could see the frustration and frustration, and I was like, man, what is the deal, man? Why am I? And something incredible hit me right in the face as I was driving back and forth to Sherwin-Williams, and it was this. It was God saying this. It was God saying, why don't you just let it go? Why don't you just give, why don't you just stop all this? Why don't you stop kind of trying to control everything? And why don't you start, why don't you start talking to me about it? And I did. I started talking to him about it. And as I was driving back and forth to Sherwin-Williams, and as I have driven back and forth since this the rest of the week, including up until like 3.30 or 4 o'clock yesterday, I had decided that I was going to start talking to God instead of allowing myself to try to control every aspect 
And it's amazing what's happened since then. I want to tell you guys something. In order for you to live a Jesus-centered life. Now, you may want to live a you-centered life. Now, if you want to live a you-centered life, every time you feel an emotion, every time you feel anything rise up in you, if you want to live a you-centered life, then every time you feel that, just get mad, go off, you know, drive too fast on the way up here. Not that I did that, but I walked in and Chance said, hey, bro, you guys got here awful quick. And I said, yes, we did. If you want to live a you-centered life, then keep right along, go keep doing what you're doing, it's all fine. But see, our call is not to live a you-centered life, it's to live a Jesus-centered life. And if you want to live a Jesus-centered life, what you have to do is, at some point, you have to connect with God. You have to start and have a conversation with God. You have to start engaging a relationship, and that relationship is engaged when you start the conversation with God. That's what happens. We have a scripture in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Here's what it says. It says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And here's what I love. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then, okay, now here, I want you to hear that. Go back to the first verse, please. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, a lot of us are like prayer, and we think that we're going to sit with our legs crossed and go, home, home. It's some kind of weird, radical thing. It's not. It's conversation with God. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then go to the next slide. Here's what it says. And then, what does that then mean? It means after you have done those things, then you will experience what? You will experience peace. And here's the part I love. And, and another text that says this, without with which exceeds, which, which goes past, which surpasses. And the NIV says, all understanding. You will experience peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. And then it says this, his peace, whose peace? God's peace. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Now let me say something. There's a lot of things that I have in my heart but that hadn't made it to my mind. And there's a lot of things in my mind that haven't made it to my heart yet. All right? One of the things that I like to tell people whenever someone is struggling a lot is this. Hey, listen, your, your mind is willing, but your heart is weak on this situation. All right? Your mind says, I'm going to do this and this and this, but your heart is weak on this situation. And so I had to understand that in order for me, in order for me, to live in a way that's Jesus-centered, I had to talk to God, which is prayer, and I had to let go. But here's what we do oftentimes. Oftentimes, and this is the first point, oftentimes prayer, talking to God, is, the, is most of the time our last option. And it should be, it should be our first option. Prayer, I hadn't even considered, considered talking to God about the purple wall. Who knows? He may, I may have walked in and it may have turned this color. I didn't even consider that God would have something to say. I didn't consider that maybe God wants me to understand just how difficult it is to do a building, just how difficult it is to do floors. Just how I didn't even consider the fact. It's so funny. I had a um, I had a situation the other day. I was sitting up. Uh, they had closed already, but I was up at the nickel rental place, and they had closed, and they set the ladder outside by, and I was sitting by the car, and I was talking to Lynn on the phone. 
And I was, I was venting a little bit, like I do often with Lynn. He is my, uh, he is my uh, um, I don't know if whether to call him the boyfriend or the husband or the girlfriend or what, but he and I talk a lot about stuff, all right? So, and I was talking to him, and the lady that had just helped me out, the lady that had just helped us, our church, and she's helped us a lot, the lady that had just done that, she walks up to the gate, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, great, what does she want to say? You know, what have I done now? I'll just sit here and wait. So I was sitting there talking to and I was waiting. She walks around the gate, and she starts walking down 34, carrying what appears to be a lunch bag. What was she doing? You know what she was doing? She was walking home. She was walking home. She walked to work. She didn't have a car. She had no transportation. She was walking there. And if I didn't have a 16-foot ladder I had to get back to the church, I may have given her a ride. Who knows? But I had to sit there with a 16-foot ladder until someone would come help me get it. Connor Cody, thank you so much. I gave you props on social media. Thank you so much. Yeah. Connor Cody has a five-foot tailgate. To, he has a five-foot, uh, uh, what is it called? A bed. He has a, not his actual bed at home. His truck bed is five feet. The ladder was 16 feet. The other 11 feet was going to fall on my Jeep because I was falling right behind. I was like, there ain't nobody getting hurt except my Jeep if something happens. This was the other day. But that lady was walking home. And I said, Lynn, the lady that helped us is walking home. And he said, what? I said, she's walking home. Maybe, maybe it was so that God can say, hey, listen, you may have all these plans in your mind, but I want to tell you something. I, there's people out there that live a life different than you. There's people that have to get up every day and go paint these walls and do these floors and work at a place and walk back and forth. And I want you to know that you're blessed. I want you to know that you have a better life than, 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 than you understand. I want you to know that I've blessed you. Maybe that's the reason why. I'd never thought about talking to God about it. I want to tell you a story. I was going to put a stereo in my car. All right, I was going to put a stereo in one of my vehicles. And let me just say that my track record for putting stereos in is poor at best. All right, it's poor at best. Traditionally, what ends up happening is, is I go to YouTube, like every grown man does who don't know how to do anything. You go to YouTube, and I take my laptop, and I put it in the car, and I'm watching a YouTube video on how to put a stereo in. So I'm putting a stereo in, and so I, I, I was going to order the stereo from Crutchfield. Okay, and I tried to put this stereo in and it was a disaster and I had to go over and have another male, which is the most embarrassing thing ever in the history of mandom. I had to go ask another guy to help me put the, put the stereo in. And usually I went over, hey, do you know how to put a stereo in? Of course I do. Everybody knows. No, not everybody. I don't know. So it came time to put a stereo in the next vehicle. All right. This was like a year later. So I go on to Crutchfield, and I start ordering the stereo. And right as I'm getting ready, the hardest part of the stereo is the hooking up of the wires. There's 19,000 wires that you have to hook up, and the majority of them are the same color. All right, and so I'm like, I don't know how to hook this. There's like, yeah, put the red one here and the red one there. Okay, there's four red ones. All right, they're marked, but you know how that, that is. And so I was like, well, I don't know how to do all that. And that's why I had to go to the last guy. And so I was on Crutchfield, and when I went on Crutchfield, I ordered the stereo. When I ordered the stereo, I was just getting ready. To, I was just getting ready to check out. And it popped up and it said, do you want to make this installation easy? And I said, as a matter of fact, I do. And I said, it said yes or no. And I'm sure if I had clicked no, it would have said idiot. But it, I said yes. And it says great. And then it took me to the next thing. And it says, it says, for $20, we will 
do everything with the wiring, and all you'll have to do is plug it in. Did you know Crutchfield does that? They do. I didn't know that the time before. I found that out. Can I tell you that my finger could not hit that button fast enough to say, yeah, it could have said $1,000, and I'd say, yep, that's what I want. Right there, 20 bucks. What is that? Can I tell you what that is? What that is, is Crutchfield saying, hey, listen, we know that you're a preacher and you have no idea what you're doing with cars, okay? We get that. We are the experts. So if you will, you just show up. We're going to help you do this, and we're going to have everything ready. You just have to take yours out and put yours back in. And by the way, there's videos to show you how to do that on our website. They're the experts. They're the ones. Can I tell you what? Oftentimes with God, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Oftentimes with God, we do not. We do not think that we need to counsel God first. As a matter of fact, usually we have messed it up to the point where we are in a bind. And then we come and we say, okay, God, fine, help me out. It's almost like my son learning how to tie his shoes when he was younger. He kept messing up and messing up and messing up. And I said, let me help you. And he said, no, no, I'll do it myself. Let me help you. Let me help you. No, no, I'll do it myself. Until finally he had like five knots in each shoe and he was like, I can't do it. And I said, I know you can't do it because you're like four. Okay. It's all right. God says the same thing to us. Oftentimes we are trying our best to do everything. And all God wants us to do is communicate with him and say this, say, God, I cannot do this. It's one of the reasons why in the Celebrate Recovery, in the 12 steps in the Celebrate Recovery, listen, the first step is not to say, hey, everybody, I got it all on my own. Hey, I can do everything on my own. You know what the first step is? Do you guys know what it is? The first step is this from Celebrate Recovery. We have admitted that we are powerless over our addiction and compulsive behaviors and that our lives have become unmanageable. That's what the first step is. The first thing that we have to do is say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to do it for me. But our natural tendency is to do the opposite. Our natural tendency is to do the opposite. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. It says, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, all who are trying to paint, during the week and don't know what you're doing. All who are trying to do floors, all who are trying to install, install stereos and Jeeps that you have no business doing, come to me if you are weary and I will give you rest. Don't make it. Don't make God your last choice. Don't make God the thing that you do when you've spent all your other energy. Make him your number one choice. Do that. The second thing is this. Sometimes, you guys, in praying, we have to ask more than one time. I want you to hear that. Sometimes we have to ask more than one time. Whenever my son wanted to, I'm very proud of my son for playing guitar up here. He's, it's, it's really amazing how incredible he is. And he does a great job. I won't brag on him. I don't brag on him enough. He does a fantastic job playing on Sunday mornings. He practices at least an hour every night. He works really hard on the guitar. But whenever he first started playing, I didn't go out and get him a six, seven, eight dollars guitar. I got on Facebook and I looked for a guitar and I found someone who was selling a guitar for about $75. And I went and got him that guitar. Now, why is that? Well, I wanted to see if he was serious about it. And so he started practicing and practicing and practicing until finally he got good enough where it was time to get him 
a guitar. Now, between the time that he asked for the first time for a better guitar and the time whenever I finally, I finally gave him the better guitar, there was some time there. Why is that? Well, I wanted to see just how serious he was about this thing called playing a guitar. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes, we try to ask God one time for one thing, and we think immediately it's going to happen, and that's not how God works. He wants us to, he don't want us to beg him, but he wants us to be serious about what we're asking him about. And he wants us to ask. Sometimes you have to ask more than once. Sometimes you have to make it a daily prayer thing. And here's the cool thing. As you're doing that, God is teaching us. He's going to teach you and he's going to teach me something in the midst. From the moment we have the issue until the issue is resolved, he's going to be teaching us. He's going to teach us to trust him. He's going to teach us to have faith. He's going, to, he's going to start sending people here and there. He's going to see if we have spiritual eyes where we can open up and see the people that are coming to us. He's going to see if we can see it. We talked in this series about hearing God, hearing God clearly. And go back and listen to that if you need to. Because God does answer prayer. Oftentimes, though, we have to ask more than one time. There's a story in Luke, and I'll just tell the parable. We won't read the whole thing. There's a story in Luke where it's, Jesus tells the story. He says, listen. It's almost like someone who has someone who's a visitor and they're out of bread and they go to their neighbor and they're knocking on the door. It's midnight. They're knocking on the door and the neighbor doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't answer. And they keep knocking on the door and he doesn't answer. And knock on the door and doesn't answer. Until finally, keep knocking, keep knocking. And finally, the neighbor opens up and says, what do you want? It's midnight. Well, I got this friend of mine and he's come in and I didn't know, but I don't, I'm out of bread. Can you give me some food? And basically he tells him this, I'm going to keep knocking on this door until I get the bread. And that's when Jesus says the famous thing, ask, seek, and knock. That's what he, that, that's, it follows right after that. What is that? It's God telling us, hey, listen, keep on doing it. Keep on asking for that king. Some of you guys have been praying for something for years and years and years. Some of you guys have been praying for your family members for years and years and years and years. Keep on doing it. You don't just ask once. The third thing is this. Pray with honesty. Pray with honesty. There's also another thing in Luke where there's two guys that come up. They come up to pray in the temple. It's found in Luke chapter 10. They come and pray in the temple. And they walk up and this one guy comes up and he says, Lord, I do this and I do that. Thank you so much, God, that I'm not like that sorry sack right there. I'm so thankful that I'm not like this guy. And then the scripture defines the other guy he was pointing at. And it says he came up and he wouldn't even look up. I don't know if you guys know or not. When they prayed, they would pray this way. You know, you know, head bows and eyes closed. That's a Baptist thing. All right. That's not biblical. They would pray this way. They would look up to heaven. And this guy couldn't even do that because he felt so much just conviction. He just looked down and he just cried out to God. There was none of this. Lord, we just pray today that you would help us do this and that. There was none of that. It was, Lord, I have messed up. I'm this. God wants us to come to him that way. God wants us to come to him that way. He wants us to pray 
in an honest way. Whenever I first gave my life to Christ, I would go to a, a Bible study with our youth pastor. Now, I was 19 years old, so I helped do the Bible study. And there was a guy in the apartment complex that this, our youth pastor lived in. His name was Jeffrey, all right? And Jeffrey was a guy whose mother and father ran the apartment complex. And Jeffrey was a special needs guy. He was in his mid-30s. And Jeffrey eventually gave his life over to Christ. He did. And after he gave his life over to Christ, I got to see him be baptized. His mother came to see it, and he got baptized. Well, Jeffrey started coming to the Bible study. Okay? He started coming to the Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, here's what would happen. Now, remind you, this has been now officially 27 years ago. He would come to the Bible study, and at the end, he, our, our youth pastor would say, does anyone have a prayer request? And it's like, yes, please pray for my aunt who's sick, or pray for my dad, or pray for this. And Jeffrey always wanted to pray. Always. And we would all go around the room and pray, and whoever wanted to pray, you could just squeeze the next hand if you didn't want to, and that person would do it. It got to Jeffrey the first night after he gave his life to Christ. And Jeffrey said this, Lord, he called him Lord, L-O-R-T. Lord, please let my mama leave me alone. Lord, she is getting on my last nerve. Lord, sometimes I want to punch her in the face. Lord, please, and all the kids start giggling, laughing. Lord, please help me not to hit my mama in the face. And Lord, my aunt is coming this weekend, and she gets on my nerves too. And he went on and on and on. And then everybody said amen. And the next week, he came back, and he wanted to pray. And he said, Lord, this week my dad said this and this and this to me, and it made me mad. And I said four cuss words. And Lord... And he kept going on and on and on. And I was sitting there as a 19-year-old, and I'm going, what is this? And I'm just kind of, you know, you know how you're not supposed to look up, but you kind of do, you look over at the youth pastor like, is he going to let this go on? Do we have to listen to this guy pray like this? And on the way home from one of the times he had done that, God spoke to me and said, I heard his prayer. I didn't hear anything you had to say. What is that? Can I tell you what it is? It's being transparent and honest and straightforward. Jeffrey didn't a bit more care if you knew that he wanted to punch his mom in the face anything in the world. He didn't care. He didn't care. You guys, we have to pray. We have to talk to God with honesty. And the final thing is this. When we pray, when we pray, Prayer, talking to God, is where, and I want you to get this, talking to God is where the process of letting go begins. Are you with me? Listen, it's not you planning what you're going to do from this point until that point. That's not what it is. It's not you reading a self-help book. You may do that, but that's not where the letting go process begins. Letting go doesn't begin with you making a plan. Letting go doesn't begin. It doesn't begin there. Now, it may eventually come to that, but letting go doesn't begin with you making a plan. Letting go doesn't begin with anything 
but beginning to talk to God about the situation. That's where letting go begins. And that is going to be true every single time in your life. Someone has to carry that burden for you. Someone has to take the lead in your life. Someone has to take that weight. Someone has to relieve that heaviness from you. Now, I told you it's been a bad week, but Thursday wasn't so bad. I had the special blessing of helping someone move. Mind you, I told you before what hell would be for me, right? All right. Not only that, God thought it would be great to go ahead and let it pour down raining. You remember the flood day on Thursday? We was moving right in the middle of it. All right. And as God is my witness, we would stop to take a break and it would stop raining. I don't know if y'all noticed that, but I did. We'd go in and it would be birds would be chirping, sun's out. We'd go back outside, pouring down raining. And it happened over and over and over and over again. And here's the crazy thing. I, for some reason, if I go help anyone move, they look at me and they say, he can get all the heavy stuff. All right, that's what they say. And so I walked in and I was like, hey, what do we need to get? Well, first thing, you know, the, the, the thing you don't want to hear as a man when you ask what do we need to get moving is, the, is this word, refrigerator. And our brother who we were helping move was so blessed that he had two of them. Two of them. I did get free pizza at lunch, so two refrigerators. And I'm not talking about the little refrigerator that you kind of open up, that you throw in your garage, you know, that you can get. Like, I'm not talking about a dormitory. I'm talking about two big mama jamas that you have to finance at Lowe's, all right? Those kind. So we get that refrigerator, the first one, and I've got the dolly, okay? And I am trying, where I've already loaded it, I'm trying to get it back off of the truck in the pouring down rain, going down on the ramp. Now, the refrigerator, I don't know who designed the dolly, but whoever it is, is an idiot. Because the dolly, if you hold it and let the refrigerator come back to you, it perfectly hits right on your forearms. And it kept bouncing up and down and up and down. And I literally felt like my forearms were breaking. And I started going down and going down. And I was like, oh, man, it's really hurt my forearms. It's hurt my forearms. And all of a sudden, a voice from the wilderness said this. I'm going to help you out. And I thought it was God, but it was Elijah Slay. (laughs) He's coming down the ramp. He's helping me. He said, let me help you out. And I was pulling that thing. Now, Elijah is a big old boy. And that's what you want when you're helping people move. As God is my witness, I don't know if he picked the whole thing up by himself, but I do know this. When whatever he did, the weight lifted off of my forearms and I rolled that sucker right on down. It was like the heavens opened up and an angel came down and just lifted it off. Now, if angels look like Elijah, I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't see a halo or wings. But for me, he was, a, he was an angel. Can I tell you guys something? That's exactly what God wants to do for you in your life. That's what he wants. All I had to do is say, I hadn't said a word about it until we were starting to unload. And I was like, hey, bro, these forearms are beating up. What was that? 
Oh, I wanted to be a man. Oh, let's get a murder. Let's get these things. Dude, by the end of the day, I, was so, I looked like a drowned. If I had hair, it would be on my face. I had to look like a drowned rat. And by that time, you know how you get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm done waving the white flag. I've had enough. Well, that's where I was. I was spent. I was tired. And I could not do it. And I had to say, I need, I need help. And it just lifted off of me. Can I tell you that that's exactly what God wants for you? He does. Some of us don't like asking for help. Some of us don't even like asking God for help. Some of us want to run our own life. But can I tell you something? Your life, whether you know it or not, has become unmanageable. Spiritually, it's become unmanageable. Now, your life on the outside may like you look like you got everything together. But what I've learned in ministry more than anything else is that all of us are just a bunch of screw-ups serving a perfect God. That's what I've learned. Letting go begins when you decide to have a conversation with God. Here's some practical things I want to tell you real quick, and I'm going to close. Here's practical things. Number one is this. You don't have to be some spiritual hero to pray. You don't have to be some spiritual hero to talk to God. Just talk. You can talk to Him right now. Right now. You can talk to Him right now. The second thing is this. Start your day off with a simple prayer before your feet hit the floor. Before you get up out of the bed, before you let the dog out to go to the bathroom, before you decide to brush your teeth, before you decide to take a shower, as you're laying there in your bed, before you put your feet on the floor, simple prayer, God, today, I don't know what you have in store for me, but I want to give it over to you. Please walk with me and join me today. Now, did that sound super spiritual? No. Be honest with him. This third thing is this. Write down your prayers if you can't focus long enough to pray silently. Has anybody ever had a prayer where you do this? You start praying, you're like, Lord, I just thank you so much. I wonder if Tennessee's going to win Sunday, Saturday. <laughs> Lord, and I just, is somebody cooking chicken? What is that? You ever had that thing? I do. I do it all the time. So what I oftentimes do is, is I have journals. And I'm not talking about, well, Lord, today what happened was, I'm talking about, Lord, these are the areas I'm struggling with. And write it out. Some of the greatest theologians, some of the greatest spiritual leaders, even today, they don't, they don't pray to God like, Lord, they do pray, but they write out their prayers. They do. The cool thing about writing it out is, is six months from now, you can go back and read it, and you can see what God's done for you between now and six months from now. That's the cool thing. Write it out if you have to. And finally, be transparent with God and watch as He changes your life. Be transparent with God and watch as your life begins to be change. Let me pray for you today. Lord, thank you so much for the word. Thank you for your word you've given us. Lord, let us not worry about anything, but through all things, okay, through prayer, let us, let us give things over to you, Lord. We don't, we don't want to control. We don't want to be someone who's constantly has a, has a need to try to take over everything. What we want is, is we want to be a people that turns everything over to you first, and then we follow behind you as you are walking through that process with us, Lord. That's what we need today. We need to be people that don't see prayer as something that is, you know, some huge that we need to see prayer as something that is simply talking to God, talking to you, God, and letting you walk with us throughout the day. That's what we need more than anything. Let us give up control. Let us let go and let us let you have what we are burdened with on an everyday basis. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.